Hello and welcome to another edition of the Talking Basketball Podcast. I am Mark. I am Paul. Hello, Mark. Hello, hello. And we've got another guest today. Hey, we have got a huge guest today, Mark. How huge is the guest? It does not get bigger Are you sure? than this. This, Mark, this is one of our biggest guests so far. You've had a dilemma about how to announce this particular character. Yeah, because there's quite a few, few ways I can do this, but with no, no hesitation... Here goes. And now, stand and cheer for your Bimber GB guard slash forward, number 60, Keith White. We got it. We got it in the end. We did it. Thank you. No Second one, time's a charm. Yeah, no one knows that. <laughs> no one needs to know there's a few edits there. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, how are you doing? You okay? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you. And, you know, for, for our guests, I'm going to rattle through s- some of the things we're going to talk uh, with Keith today. Um, Vimba, GB, at number 60 for the over 60s. Um, you know, he came back from Malaga last year. Um Esba, that's the European Senior Basketball Association. Mark, come back from Portugal as well. Wow. Uh, you know what? Also, Keith can give some a bit of an insight on the Newcastle Eagles BBL team. He's there all the time, all the time. He hasn't missed a single game. Um, uh, he used to be an 80s l- National League legend with a Clayton the Glass Newcastle. And um, yeah. So, Keith, welcome. So, where Thank do you want you. to start, Keith? Where, uh, do, where do you want to start? There's so much with Keith. I don't know. I, I generally did, don't know where to I start. Know. Let's go. Let's do chronological. How did you get into basketball? When, when did you pick that up and everything, Keith? Um, well, like everybody, I think I played a little bit at school. Um, when I left school, never really did much with it. And then a friend of mine invited me along to a local club in Washington in the, in the Time and where. Um, so that was around, wait for it, about 1978. Wow. So we I played, wasn't even uh, born, Keith. <laughs> so I, was I played twinkle. local league for a few years and progressed um, into what was then the Northern Premier League. So I played for a team called Dairy Crest Durham for a little while. And then from there, um, they started the National League team at Newcastle and went along with the trials for that and uh, ended up on the squad for that for a couple of seasons. And that's um, that's the Clayton Glass Newcastle team? Yeah. And look, Keith, I hope you don't mind me asking this, this question, but um, I just wanted to get your perception um, on the legend. I'm just getting a picture up for Mark here. Oh, it's just refreshed. Damn it. I just wanted to get um, your thoughts on the legend known as Gary Johnson. Like, what was yeah, what yeah. was he like as a person? What was he like to play with? Oh, he was yeah, he was um, a tremendous guy. Really, um, we were quite quite good friends in his time at um, Newcastle. Um, so I remember when when he first came to training, he'd, he'd not long been in the country, and we were in the gym, and um, we. Just like I was blown away by the speed of the guy, it was just unreal. 
And to give you an idea, at the end of the session, we used to do like um, suicide runs. That's everybody's favourite, you know, free throw line, halfway back, etc. And Gary always used to finish a full court length ahead of everybody else. Wow. That's and great. we were like, he can't be touching the lines, surely. And we watched him one day, and he was touching the lines. He was just so fast, it was unreal. Wow. So, but yeah, great guy. Um, he played with us for a season or so. And then, then I think he went, played in Calderdale, and not sure where else he played. I think he but, ended up uh, with the um, Leicester Riders as well. Did he? I think uh, so, yeah. Coach, I, I lost contact with him, but um, any time at Newcastle, he was, he was great. I mean, he was just our top scorer every game. Just brilliant. And yeah. ideal for me, at that time, I was a shooting guard, so you could just float around on the wing and he would penetrate and draw in about three guys and then just kick it out. But um, tremendous player and a great guy, yeah. And yeah. You're, talk, you're talking sort of the 80s time frame here. This is 83, 84. Yeah. With, uh, yeah. Cause it's, with Gary it's, Johnson. It's nice also hearing with Newcastle as well when you're saying we're having a National League team and Portsmouth having the National League team around that same sort of time coming into that sort of frame. It seems... That late seventies, early eighties was quite a time period for basketball in the UK. Take, yeah, taking off. And I mean, there was there was slightly different rules to what there is now. We you were only allowed two foreign players on every team, and the rest of them had to be um, English nationals. Oh wow! So I think there was two foreign players and one dual national was your maximum. Was and that, then the rest was that of worldwide? The of, was it? Huh? Is that worldwide? So you could have two Americans and then that was it? You couldn't have anyone? Um, yeah, pretty much. Oh, wow. I, th I think it's quite... I think it's similar still in National League now. You're allowed two international players. Yeah. Um, I think you're allowed more, but you can only play two at any one time, I think. Yeah. In in the National League, yeah. Not in... BBL, I don't know, what, BB I don't know what the rules are on that. <laughs> they did that at the BBL. They'd, yeah. They'd lose half their teams, I think. So yeah, um, yeah I, I've I've heard um, a few a few people say his pace, Gary Johnson's oh, pace was just yeah. unmatched Unreal. in those days. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and then you know, like you know, everything Keith I want to say is Newcastle, Mark. Everything with Keith, um, local league is is all Newcastle, um, and. Um, you know, following Newcastle Eagles in the BBL, and um, you know, one of the one of the stories where I heard about Keith was um, when Keith was actually on the Newcastle Eagles court. That's the um, on the court, Virtue Motors nice. court. What were you doing on the court then, Keith? Um, well. Is that normal to get on the court, Keith, by the way? Like, because if you say to us, go on our BBL court, we'd be like, that is amazing. But is it like, are there like yeah, local well, league teams going on there what, as well? What you don't see on the, on the, on the screen when, when there's a BBL game, the player lengthways in the center of the floor. But when the seats are all folded back, there are three courts which go crossways. Oh. So oh, if you're wow. on the center court going crossways, you, you use the same center circle where the eagles logo is but you go the opposite way okay oh, okay that's got a no, clip call. so 
that's the court they use for the women's games and stuff like that. Um, so what, shortly after the stadium was built, a friend of mine had an idea of um, starting a, a veterans club. And uh, we were lucky enough to get the opportunity to have that as a venue. So every Sunday morning, anybody over 35 could go down and pay pay some money and go and train in the arena. Um, so that's basically how I got back into basketball after having had a long time off. Um, and the first the first club session I remember, uh, Paul Blake was there. Um, and myself and a few other people who used to play National League. So that's where it all started off. Um, that was probably early early 2019 when that club started. Oh, wow. Um, so, so I've been going training there fairly regular um, ever since that club started, really. Um, there's three divisions for the club now. It's kind of expanded. So initially it was just a Sunday morning run around with um, over 35 players who had either stopped playing and wanted to play again or thought the local league was a bit too quick for them or whatever. Um, so that was great, but um, it's progressed a bit now and we now have a team in the local league. It's all still over 35 people. Brilliant. Who play in the local league with the team and they have a separate night and train separately to, to the Sunday mornings. And then this year we started a beginners class for over 35. So if anybody over 35 who wanted to play basketball, who've never played before, or who had played basketball years and years ago and wanted to get back to it, they run an hour session on a on a Sunday with some coaching involved um, to get people back in the game. And what's the club called? Well, because it was based at the Eagles, we were gonna. We, we thought we can't really call ourselves Eagles. So somebody said, "Well, we're all old, so we'll just call ourselves Bald Eagles." Bald Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Eagles. I like that. That's good. Well, there you go. So that's you... when the Bald Eagles Club was born. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a great. And that's great name. that's like you say, it's a club and there's a league in place with that and a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. That's really that's great to hear. Well, big shout out to everyone in Newcastle, part of the Bold Eagles setup. And if you're <laughs> looking to play basketball in Newcastle, you know, look no further than the Bold no Eagles if you're over 35. The Newcastle Bold yeah. Eagle. That's a great name. That is a great. That's name. a great name. So, so Keith, I've I know what you're about to say here, um, but I've deliberately not told Mark, and there's a reason I've not told Mark, and that will be apparent when you tell your um, story because there's a you know, this big, great story that you've got um, on the court. So uh, what, why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so um, September last year, went along the arena um, to train as as normal. Um, the weeks leading up to that didn't feel any different. Got up Sunday morning, just a normal day, went along the arena. So we did a like a small warm-up in the in the arena and then we split off and decided to play some half-court basketball. So I sat out for a little while and then um, after a few minutes, I like subbed in and started playing basketball half-court. 
and and then I was aware that I wasn't quite feeling well. Um, didn't feel well at all. Had a strange sort of sensation across my chest, but just generally didn't feel well. Um, so I subbed off and went and sat on the side. And um, one of the guys came over and said, you okay? I said, well, I'm not really. I said, I'm not feeling too good. So I don't know what's wrong, but I don't just don't feel very well. Um, and as luck would have it, there was a guy there who's a consultant at the eye infirmary. So he's got some medical background who came across and took one look at us and asked us what was wrong. Um, and the next thing I know, he was on the phone for an ambulance. And I said, oh, I don't feel that bad. Um, he says, no, come in the reception and wait. we'll wait for the ambulance. So went in the reception and then I remember um, things got a bit fuzzy. I went really lightheaded, and at which point they had me lying on the floor. Um, and I can remember them being on the phone for the ambulance and stuff. Um, and then I, then I can remember this was a bit weird. All of a sudden, I looked up and Paul Blake standing there. And I said, <laughs> I said, where have you come from? And apparently he was just in the area. And I must have phoned and said, oh, there's a bit of an issue. Um, so anyhow, the ambulance never came. But what they did do was put it in a car and took this to the Royal uh, Victoria Hospital. <clears throat> so Paul Blake came to the hospital with me and one of the, the lads drove me there. Um, straight into A&E and they did some blood tests and ECGs and stuff and then uh, come out and said oh we think you've had a heart attack so I was like well whatever uh, I haven't had any signs of that I don't tick any of the boxes like, I'm not overweight, I don't drink, don't smoke etc etc um, but apparently the blood test came back and said there was, there was a heart attack so they booked me in for an angiogram. Um, so when they had the when they did the angiogram where they put blood, um, sorry, dye through your blood and have a look at the flow through the arteries, there's two two arteries and narrowed. Um, and they were corrected with um, a stent in one of them, and the other one was corrected with an angioplasty where the put like a balloon into the artery and blow it up and then let it down, it stretches out the artery. Um, and then 24 hours after that, I was released from hospital with some, what looked like half a chemist shop of pills. Um, and then uh, started to recover from there. Um, but it was quite, quite a shock and what, I still can't believe it was an actual heart attack because I wasn't really in any great pain or anything. Um, just felt a bit unwell, but um, that's what happened. It was just weird. What was the recovery like, Keith? Um, <clears throat> well, shortly after going to a and &E, I felt okay because it gave me a bit of treatment there with some um, whatever they give you. Um, and the only problem was waiting for the angiogram to get done because that was the um, week of the Queen's funeral. So everything was delayed because doctors yeah. and nurses were off for that and stuff. 
Um, but once I'd had the angiogram, um, felt absolutely fine. Like nothing had happened really. But um, I had to rest for a week to let the stent bed in and stuff like that. Then it was um, very mild exercise for the week after, um, which I continued the week after that. And then I went back to work after three weeks. Wow. <laughs> um, but my main um, concern was whether I'd be allowed to play basketball again or whether it would be out of the question. I didn't really know. Um, so I was put on what's called a cardio rehab program and um which basically entails some controlled exercise nothing too spectacular it was just basically um circuit training so they had stations around the gym where it was um you know there was a bike and there was like uh, a trumpet you would jog on uh dumbbells to do um bicep curls and stuff just an, a, a minute on each station but they, they just, um, that was twice a week for six weeks and they gradually increased the um, the pace and the workload until they were, they were fairly satisfied that there was no long-term issues. Um, my heart hadn't um, sustained any damage because they did a scan. So it was just literally these two partially blocked arteries, that was the issue. Um, and they've now been fixed. So after the um, after the six week program on this rehab, um, I started going back to Sunday morning training um, and built on that. And then three months after that, I was back training with the GB squad. Wow! What were they like when you turned up for training? Were like that? They were like Keith. No, <laughs> <laughs> don't run so quick. They, they were ner- the, the, the medic the there was nervous. Back, there was quite a few concerned faces, yeah. Yeah, the medic, uh, medic was nervous. For I bet sure. Paul Blake was there. <laughs> he was there going, Keith, take it slow. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, sport's good for your health, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but that that, so. that transition back into playing um, is, I mean, that's amazing. Um, Yeah, but it just felt. I don't know, I just felt the natural thing to do is, was to slowly build back up to where I was prior to it happening. Because I didn't really feel that physically that much different afterwards to what I did before. Um, so I just thought, carry on, really. Um, and then, that, so from having the heart attack in September, the the next European Championships was in the June of the year after um, in Portugal. And we went there and competed there, so. Amazing. It was all good. How'd you guys do that? Um, I think we finished 15th out of 23 teams. Oh, nice. That's the, that's the ESBA. The, the European that was the other one in Portugal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ironically, the over 60s age group, the men's over 60s age group, always has the biggest entry. So there was really? 23 teams in our group from uh, Italy, Spain, um, Czech Republic, all over the place. And then some of the younger age groups, like the over 45s and what have you, there was only like half a dozen teams in there. Yeah, 
That's so it's really weird surprising. that the over 60s is always the biggest entry. Yeah, Don't know. it's su I, surprising. I it would be the 40s because yeah, that's people coming yeah. out of the game and then you're like, I still want to play. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I guess some people um, get to that point where they they physically go, I can't compete at X level now. And then they yeah. almost have to step away for a while, you know, five, ten years. Like Andy Rowland, for example, stepped away for quite a while. Yeah. And then he went, no, I want to get back to it. Yeah. A lot of people do that, actually. They they miss they miss the game. Miss like a day, got that love for the years game. Ten years or a, a long yeah. enough time because they say, I can't now compete at this level anymore. And yeah. that's almost frustrating. It's almost like being sat on the bench. Like, you're so frustrated that you, you know, you've got yeah. to that point. I might say someone like LeBron's at, but you see someone now who's, say, 22 or 23 that they could run rings around. I mean, you're talking about um, that cat earlier where someone's got that speed and agility and then yeah. fast forward towards the end of the career although they were still fast they weren't the same as day one and no. you, you've got to have that transition haven't you between yeah yeah but the masters and the Fimba stuff is all a great gateway for people to do that to get back into it and see if they can still compete with people of their own age whereas if you're in a local league or whatever you've got like kids 20 and 25 running 100 miles an hour you don't yeah. really know if you're still competitive, do you, until you get in amongst your own age group. So it's an ideal opportunity, really, to, to find that out, I suppose. Yeah. So, let, Keith, let's go straight into FIMBA GB then. Yeah. So you're, you know, number 60 for, for <laughs> FIMBA GB. So, I mean, I know the, the whole Malaga thing, it was, it was going to happen, then it got delayed and delayed and all that, and then it yeah. finally happened. So why don't you tell us about the, the tournament that didn't happen for ages and then it finally happened. Okay, so um, it was supposed to happen in June of 2020, but that was right in the middle of the pandemic. So that was cancelled. It was rescheduled for the year after, which was 2021 in June, but that was like the second wave of the pandemic again. So that was cancelled. Uh, and I finally got underway in June of 2023 in Malaga. Um, again, all the 60s men was the biggest category. I think there was 25 teams in our group. Fine. So there was group, there was group stages initially with I think there was four, four or five teams in each group. Uh, we won our group, and then in true GB style, lost the first round of the knockouts. <laughs> 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 um, so that meant we were playing for lower lower places. Um, but I think we finished twelfth or something, twelfth out of twenty five in that one. So even if you get bad. knocked out the first round, you still you still have games to play. Yeah. Okay, that's good. So the group stages go through, and um, for you to progress up the ladder you need to win the the first um round of the knockouts if you don't you go through to the lower places playoffs so you still play somebody else for a knockout but it's instead of it being from first to sixth or whatever you're now playing for 12th okay. to sixth and if you lose that one then you're playing for a place you okay, know yeah, below that sense. so so what's, what's malaga like then like with the whole like because you're going over there with what like 12 15 guys but then you've got yep. all the other team the ladies team the other age yep. bracket so are you all together yeah um 
pretty much we were mostly all in the same hotel. So the women's and men's of different age groups were all pretty much in the same hotel, which was good for transportation and stuff. Um, and also like a good social atmosphere as well. I was going to say that it's got to be a good laugh. When yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, like great. 10 teams or something, it's got to be a good laugh. Yeah, 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 it's really good. I mean, you, you just get talk, it's just talking basketball all the time. Um, you know, you see somebody in a GB kit and you go and have a drink and they're talking basketball, and it's just really, really good. It's a great atmosphere. And how many, how many teams are there in total that go over in terms of GB wise? How many, how many? Are there? Um, well, the men's teams start over 35s, over 40s. 45s, 50s, 55s, 60s, 65s, and 70s. So there's at least eight men's teams. Wow. I think it's the same I think for, the, for the women as well. There'd be, yeah, I don't think there's an over 65 or 70 in the women, but there's certainly an over 60s. So they'll go from 35 to 60. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like 10, 11 teams going out there for GB. That's Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and it, you're you're all in the same place. And talking to some of the other guys who play for Fimber GB, like the over thirty fives, um, some of those guys um, that we've spoken to before, they're just like everyone's supporting everyone. So you might finish your game, you go have a shower, and then you come back out, and then you see right the over sixties playing. Right, I'm now supporting the over sixty. So it is just a hot. It's just basketball, 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 and then you might then go and chill out by a pool with those people and yeah, then there's nice. a disco. Yeah. So, I mean, it just, the camaraderie just seems like just yeah. out of this world. Absolutely. And then Malaga, the over 40s men got to the final um, when they played Italy in the final and there was loads of GB teams turned up and supported them. There must have been three quarters of the, the the audience that was there watching was all gb team players so the, the atmosphere was tremendous um and it was a great game to watch as well so what was your favorite favorite takeaway moment from malaga um favorite takeaway moment i'm not sure um more funny story funny story mm. <laughs> putting you on the spot here now he's thinking can i say that yeah 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 um i can't think of anything off the top of me here um i do like i say i, I do, do remember excuse me the um the over 40s final which was a great atmosphere we, there was loads of us went and then went for a few beers afterwards and was stuff. that the wolf pack the guys known as the wolf yes pack. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's them uh, yeah, everyone always just says they're just an incredible team. Yeah. Keith, what's it but, like when you get your kit? What's it like when you get a kit? You got a kit. Your it says first GB, GB on, kit. It's got GB on it. And it's got and it's got your name on the back. Yeah, yeah. it's quite good, yeah. Um that's gotta be a good feeling. Yeah. So they did like they did a kit presentation um just before we went and it was it was quite quite a thing, yeah. You get all your kit, so you get like um, so there's two kits there's a blue kit and a white kit, like home and away, and then there's um, two sets of warm up tops to go with the kit, and then there was some off court 
uh, kit to wear around Malaga and when you were traveling there. Uh, so everybody's dressed the same, it's great. Um, and we also got a Fimba towel, I believe, as well. That was quite <laughs> quite an addition. Um, so yeah, it's quite it's quite a moment, yeah. There's right. a bag as well. I've seen a few guys, they have a, 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 a Fimba GB bag with like the Union Jack on it with their initials. That yeah. looks really cool. It's just like, oh, yeah, one yeah. of those. Pants and socks, though. You've got to supply your own. They, they draw the line at pants and socks. <laughs> but no, you, you can't get timber socks. Really? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, they've got to merch themselves right up as many as you can on there. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That, it's a great point because what a feeling you must have yeah. when you see a GB jersey, Fimba jersey for a Masters tournament with your name and number on it. Yeah, yeah. And it's even, it's like I say, with the off-court kit, um, they, to Malaga, there was four of us went from this area. So there was myself for the over 60s. There was a, a friend of mine who plays for the over 55s. And there was two women who play on the over 55 women. So we were all in, in the airport with our off-court kit on, GB kit on. Um, so, yeah, it was a great, great start to the, uh, to the trip as well. Yeah, that's got, that's got to be a great feeling. Just having the odd flag on there and your name. Oh, very, very cool. Yeah. And where are you guys going next? Fimba GB over 50s. Where you, sorry, over 60s. Where are you going next? So the next um, the next Fimba European Championships is in Pizarro in Italy in June of 23. They've got so that's the, the Italians are good. The Italians the are notoriously on? good. The Italians. Yeah. Um, well, we beat the national over 60s Italian team in Portugal, which was quite good for a lower place. Obviously, it wasn't like a top game, but that uh, bumped us up to 15th or something instead of being much lower down. So that was quite good to beat them. Yeah, very nice. So off to Italy next year, Mark, June next year. Yeah, very, very nice indeed. Hey. What, part, what part of Italy? It's uh, Pizarro in Italy. It's near to Rimini and the north northeast of it. Coastal, coastal town, Mark. Lovely. Beach, sea, yeah. swimming pools, camaraderie. Basketball. Basketball. Yeah. Beer. What else do you need? Yeah, I like the fact Pizzas. basketball was like fourth on the list there. Well done. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, you know, we've we've had a few people on on the podcast talk about, um, you know, the whole GB Master setup, and it's just um... it doesn't get. Do you know what? It's funny. There's there's all these gaps in basketball sometimes. And you have your junior teams, then you have some sort of local league teams, and then, and then maybe yeah. national or BBL. But people don't yeah. always talk about the national teams as much and what they're actually doing. I mean, I think it goes across quite a lot of sports, not just basketball necessarily, but athletics and so forth. But I didn't know anything about GB Maxi or Fimber or any, any of that sort of stuff until Paul was saying to me. Well, where yeah. have you been living? Yeah, no, I, I just gen genuinely... This is huge. It is, but, but it's not communicated out to people who watch basketball. As, unless you're in one of the towns where you maybe <laughs> have a so, BBL yeah. team. And that's, I think, part of the problem that some of the, not just necessarily the BBL, but 
in the UK, we are very local or geographic based with our basketball. So Newcastle is very well known. It's got very, uh, was it the most prestigious? Newcastle Eagles, the most prestigious. They are the most team of all time. winners, aren't they? The yeah. most wins. Most, the most uh, decorated team, yeah. yeah. Is it seven or 11? I think it's seven, isn't it? Seven wins. Some, something like that. It's, it's, yeah. um, but, that, you know, the heritage is there. The same as yeah. you've got them in London, Manchester. Uh, I think Plymouth's been around quite a long time. And so, so th- th- there's some really established hubs where basketball's played. Yeah. If you're outside of that hub, so in, in the 80s, an early 80s, so Portsmouth was, and then by the 90s, it had gone. That was it. And yeah. So it was only local league. So anything above that was never communicated down there. Obviously, now we're in the world of the internet. So you can stream things. And that's where we're starting to get all this this information fed back. But the ceiling yeah. for what you could do or how you could play basketball was almost sort of lost in the ether for probably 20 years or so, really. Just never really communicated well, here because it was all it was Marketing is the biggest thing. But, yeah. you know, from my perspective, I've, and I've said this to every single person who's part of the Fimba GB, there is nothing cooler than being in the Fimba GB. No, absolutely like, not. You get, you get the jer- like, like you saying, you get the jersey, you put it on, you're playing for your country, yeah. you're going abroad. I mean, that is... You're as, playing a sport you love for your country. Good as it gets. That's as good as doing any yeah. sport can be. And you know what? I have to ask this question, and this is probably just from a player's perspective, I guess. The first time you score, you must get goosebumps. That's how I'm visualising it in my head. If you had that GB jersey on and you score your first two points or your first three points, you must be like, yeah. GB, yeah, two yeah. points. Yeah, I think it's more of a relief than anything else because <laughs> you, you, you're on the court and you say, oh, God, you know, you're under a bit of pressure to perform and stuff. So when the first basket goes in, you kind of can relax a bit then and, and start playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Although, if it is the first shot that you take and then that goes in, the dilemma is you've now got a 100% record. Do you then put another shot up and then change your stats? And it depends what kind of player. If you're, if you're, I'm 100% if you're a 12th man, you'd go, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. But um, yeah. Uh, yeah, if it was me, I'd have the, all the kit on. I'd have the bag on. Oh, I'd have flags. You would look like an advert. <laughs> Uh, I, I advert me up. Not a problem. But there's no way to hide in the games because they do they do full stats for every game. So it's just like you know the oh, BBL really? stats, live stats. They that's do awesome. all that for every game as well. Yeah, that that's <laughs> so awesome. You, so someone could be watching <laughs> you play and be like, well, not you, just generally, and be like, oh, he's just thrown up an airball. Yeah. Oh, well, mark, mark that down. <laughs> yeah, there goes your percentage. Thanks very much. Oh, that's brilliant. That's what I'm saying. So that's why you'd be conscious. Like, oh, I've got I've got just scored two in a row now. I'm, I'm literally 100%, hey. two shots, two in. As long as you get the W, don't, don't matter what the stats say. As long as so, you get the W. What is the, not necessarily the standard of the game, but what is, is the game different in the terms of the way it's played, uh, the way you approach the game when you're playing in the different age categories? Um, You know what? It's not really. Okay. Um. No, it's just the same. Um, it's just the same, but in slow motion, if you know what I mean. Because <laughs> obviously we're not we're not as quick as we used to be. Um, 
but all the fundamentals and tactics are all exactly the same. It's no different. Just played at a slower speed, that's all. Does, uh, does, is it strategic? Sorry, Paul, I was just going to say, is it like strategic or running more plays? Is it that sort of basis? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, we have a playbook and stuff like that. So it's it's like it's up there with any sort of high standard basketball, yeah. Yeah, and, and look, Mark, like the, the coaches who are coaching these guys, look, they're, you know, some of them are like National League current coaches and stuff so yeah. it's not like um it's it's not like you know just dave butler off the street doing it oh, it's no, people who are aspiring at a high level and oh then, absolutely you know from what i've seen from the training sessions and stuff like that it's like everyone there has been a national league player and you know it's almost like from what i've seen you don't get in the could be wrong with this one but you you have to be to a certain standard before you get in well the reason i ask it was because exactly of that you've all been national league players and you've all got quite a high basketball iq so yeah. that's a slightly different yeah. game when you've got a lot of people with a lot of basketball iq on the on the court that's different to when you're 18 or 20 yeah you might have the yeah. athleticism there but you maybe don't have the court vision or the iq to know i need to run here i need to go there i need to remember that play I mean, if someone gave me a playbook, it'd be like, that's a waste of time. I, I'm not going to remember. No, the coaches will be saying something. Yeah. And, you know, with, like you said, with the, the wealth of knowledge yeah. that's in that thing, everyone will be like, okay, cool. We're doing that. Like, you know, Keith, he's been playing um, National League basketball uh, in the 80s, you know, playing with all these you know, great players. We, we go in, Mandy, okay, yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yep, sure. You know what mm. I mean? It, it's, I mean, no, that's a really basic example, but yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. No, it's, it's really, it's, it's uh, I mean, yeah, that's, it's fascinating to hear that there's so many UK teams going out there. That, I, I think yeah. that's brilliant. Mm. Um, I'm just going to roll back to your story, if that's all right, Keith. Yeah. Um, my one question is, are you the only person, I'm going to say the only Newcastle Eagles fan who's had a heart attack on the main court? It's got um, to be, aren't you? It's, it's fairly new, isn't it? I mean, I'm I'm imagining you're on the centre, like on the actual logo. That's where I imagined, you know. It wasn't we... quite on the logo. I would say it was more, you know, where the scorer's table is? <laughs> it was around that area then. So if you ever watch a game and you look at the scorer's table, you say, oh, that's where Keith felt ill. <laughs> well, we're glad you're here and you're not an honorary <laughs> extra white outline right where that table was. <laughs> and I've got to say this um, because there was one really interesting sentence that Keith said when he was saying his story was that the Newcastle Eagles chairman, Paul Blake, turned up and you yeah. were like, what are you doing and here? Me, um, yeah. I mean, that says something about him. Oh, and yeah, massively. How yeah. he feels about the organisation. I mean, like, Were you good friends by that point? Uh, yeah, I've known Paul for a long time. He used to play local league when I played local league. Because um, he, he's originally from Bristol, but he went to Newcastle Polytechnic at the time um, and studied there. And then he's, he's been in Newcastle ever since. Um, but getting back to the story about it was him that took us to the hospital, albeit he didn't drive. Um, he didn't tell us until I seen him a fortnight or so afterwards. They had the um, arena defibrillator in the boot of the car. <laughs> oh, wow. 
I mean, when he says... On standby. Does he mean he had the jump leads and he was just going to hook the battery up? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and I'm um, just sitting thinking, oh, it's not that serious. It'll be fine. As always um, But they, they obviously knew something I didn't, which in hindsight was great, really. Um, so... Yeah. But that, that yeah. was the one thing that really stood out for me is like, you know, what a great show of support from from him. Oh, yeah, that's um, phenomenal. From a chairman perspective, from a friend perspective, what keeps having a heart attack? Boom. Right, he's there. He's then taking you to hospital. Quick, defibrillator. Put it in the boot. I might need that. Yeah, it's not even... Um, you, you see some people in positions that are high like that that would use that as an opportunity to... I want to say step away from that, but get other people involved and be like, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to remove myself from this because of publicity or whatever. But actually, that's taking complete. That's just ownership, saying, isn't it? And just, I want to make sure someone's okay. Yeah, that's and that's awesome. Massive respect for that. Massive yeah, respect. Absolutely. Can you can you see now why I didn't want to tell you this story before? I know why bringing, you didn't want to tell me this story. Bringing yeah. Keith in. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, do you want yeah. to share with Keith? Yeah, no, I had a heart attack three years ago. <laughs> I, if, yeah, so everything you're talking about, same thing. Other yeah. than the, other than I wasn't in Newcastle basketball court, but um, no, <laughs> were you at but, raffling, Mark? Let me ask you this: Did you know at the time you were having a heart attack, or did you just feel ill? So I went to my mum's. I was stealing her internet. Not gonna lie, and um, she was a nurse for fifty years, and okay. I was like, I feel rough. Go and get myself a coffee. Before Wasn't she I, a nurse like in that area? Uh, with like, no, 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 she didn't do hearts, she okay. did kidneys. Um, and I should know that head should already, but yeah, so she just took like, a look at me and was like, oh, I'm just gonna phone an ambulance. I was like, What are you on about? I'm just gonna get a coffee. I'm, I've got a meeting in like 20 minutes, that's why I'm, yeah, but no, um. By the time she'd literally phone, put the phone down, I was not in a good place. <laughs> Saved your life. And yeah, oh yeah, I'd be dead otherwise because I was just be like, no, I'm fine. And then you just, everything yeah, yeah. you're talking I'm about, the same. you just feel weird. And then they take you to the hospital and pump you for the drugs and uh, yeah, a couple of stents, uh, a bit of inflation, a uh, bit of surgery. And yeah, all, all fun and getting. And then coming out like a pharmacist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> rattling as i walk but it, yeah it's um that happened during covid for me so all of those things with recovery and all that sort of stuff i yeah uh, none of that existed and they wouldn't do it and so i just had to go out walking with his brother half the time two meters apart yeah, yeah of, of course yes by the rules yeah. two meters apart but because <laughs> his brother lives around the corner we literally just went out and i'd go walk to a certain distance and that was my yeah. rehab uh but i you know the only thing i take back from that is more than anything you don't I want to appreciate that your, your heart is your battery and of, yeah. all, of all the things and how it powers you and it is just literally like you depower and you've just got nothing in the tank and then you just flop yeah <laughs> and it, yeah it, pretty much it was very strange coming back and saying oh we're just going to walk down there you go okay and you get halfway and think i'm out of breath and think why is that two days ago i had a sprint sprint there in seconds but you know very strange yeah. it's a strange old world but I, I don't know if this is a silly question but what are people i just out of pure curiosity what are people seeing when they look at you guys in that position that they're going you're having a heart attack when you're like i think i'm okay well are, are you like 
Like, oh, no, yeah. Hollywood lies. Like, what, what are they <laughs> seeing the that thing makes them think that? The only thing I know that was mentioned to me that I couldn't see was um, all pillar drained from my face. I was literally grid. Oh, wow. And I couldn't see that. But all I knew was I felt a bit ill. But I think that was one of the giveaway signs. Okay, just colour. And and who is it? What did you did you give us the name of the guy who? I mean, because really he, he could have saved your life. The guy who came over and just went, "How you doing?" Oh, Keith? It, yeah. This guy, this guy is called Ibram, and he was um, he still is a consultant at the Eye Infirmary in Newcastle. So he, did, he knows a lot about eyes, but it wasn't a cardio oh, wow. um, specialist. But shout out to Ibram. Know, Ibrahim, like if yeah. he hadn't done that, Keith, you might not be talking to us. No, like it's true, uh, yeah. It, no, it, make, it makes a difference. Little things, someone sees you and go, mm. I, I mean, like Ibrahim and your mum phone an ambulance straight away. Like, yeah, because they yeah. they know what they're looking for, which other people you know necessarily wouldn't. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was more of a come out of surgery and they go, oh, congratulations, you made it through. You sort of, oh, oh, was it that bad? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was real bad, but. You don't know that at the time. It's, it's just. <laughs> he yeah. sent me a text saying, I'm feeling a bit rough. And I was like, oh, right, what's up? And then he sent me a picture with, like, in hospital with all these things over. And he's just, just going into surgery, I think, heart attack. It's like, oh, right. Did you, uh, did you know what I sent to my mum? Because obviously I'd, I'd come out of that and I was like, well, I've got to sort of let her know that. Because all she saw was me go off in an ambulance. That's it. Um, and I sent a message when I got out. So I thought, what can I write that she'll know it's me rather than someone else doing it? So yeah. I, I, just, I just wrote, FYI, not dead. Uh, <laughs> FYI, not dead yet. Yeah, and that's yes. it. And she's like, why would you send that to me? I'm like, well, you know, it's me. It's not someone random just saying it. it's like, why would anyone else say you have some dark sense of humor? It's, you've got to that. But, you know, well, we're all here. And so, I, was, I was an excuse that he went out and bought a scooter. So he used yeah. He used me to vicariously go and live his life. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Keith, I interrupted. What were you going to say? Um, can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come back. So when you are playing at those sort of, at the at Newcastle, is that, yeah. um, that's on the same court that you were talking about where it's twisted to yeah, the, I was, twisted the side? Yeah I, was, yeah, I was playing on that very same court. I think this is the first time I've been playing on that particular court since it happened, and I was playing there on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Oh, really? And it, it is a bit weird. It's even more weird when you go to a game because you have to pass the spot in reception where I was lying on the floor <laughs> waiting for the ambulance. <laughs> so every time you go to a game, you have to, you have to walk past that space. Um, which is a bit weird as well. But Listen, you know, you might get Paul Blake put a little honorary plaque there for you. Yes. <laughs> Here, almost laid. Yeah. <laughs> put it by the scorer's like, table yeah. as well. This is this this spot is dedicated to Keith. Yeah, almost. <laughs> you know what? Almost was buried under here, but not quite. In, in in ten years' time, it's going to be like look, that happened on the eagle in the centre court. It wasn't the three courts; it was the main court. Yeah. <laughs> it was during a halftime show, during a BBL game or pre-BBL game.
thank you very much for listening to this episode. That is the end of this part. But do not worry, because coming soon is the second part of this episode, and it will be available soon.